one and sorry three two one hello everybody welcome back to the last set podcast now today i've been waiting for this day for a very long time so just for context last year i reached out to kai after knowing for some time knowing through people in the mutual friend space and he came on the podcast and even though it wasn't the most downloaded I've never seen or received any more positive feedback for a single episode. That was almost a year ago to this day. And since then, we've stayed in touch. Uh, I've been off social media the last three months, but last year I was following his journey and he's here today to talk about everything, you know, and so much more that he's been through. But out of all my years now, this is now exactly three years of the last set podcast and to this day this has been probably the most important episode and the most looked forward to and anticipated episode i've ever done so if you tuned in today guys just want to say thank you very much and uh kai it's good to have you back brother how you doing man oh man sorry if that was a little bit too much you know <laughs> no, it, was, it was it was great um how am I doing? That's a that's something we'll unravel in this podcast. So I'm actually just gonna turn the alcohol on real quick. <laughs> Things are getting spicy. You know, it's it's actually like the one thing I keep forgetting to do every single time I bring a guest on the podcast. I always keep forgetting to turn the damn aircon on. But yeah. So let's just uncap um recap everything. When you came on last year, uh we talked about a lot. And then from there, obviously, you can say it in your own words, but I think it wasn't long after you moved over east. And then you went through yeah, what I would say would have broken 99% of the population, <laughs> the amount of trials that you had to go through. Yes, uh, trials and tribulations, I guess. Uh, how long after was it then I went? It wasn't that long. It was only a good two, maybe two months, three months at most. Because I, I actually messaged you one day and I was like, dude, where are you? And you were on some farm. Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> honestly, that whole journey was whack. I just felt like, what's that uh, movie called? With the, so I guess I'm not in Kansas anymore. Ah, uh, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, it was, just, it was just so weird. I just one day decided that I'm just going to book some tickets and just go. Well, didn't even think about it. Didn't even plan anything. I just booked it this one way and I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. Which I do not, I, to this day, I still don't do, don't know if it was a mistake or whatnot, but definitely experienced a lot, like from floods to dying to, I would say probably the worst experience of my entire life was being in ICU and just being in the ward and just coming so close to death and also having like the people in the ward with me, like, like the people just dying and nurses crying and also you know being in the room with some elderly gentleman with like stage four cancer and then the doctor just walks in after just days of nothing it's like oh yeah you're gonna die and what to you no, no, no oh, to, to these guys jesus so let's take it a little bit step by step you went over east what happened with the floods oh okay so before that, so I actually, so the floods were a week after I died, you know, from mold poisoning. From what poison? Mold. 
mold poisoning. Yeah. So how did that happen? Uh, because the house we're staying at had like a mold and the landlord, the previous landlord just painted over it. No. Yeah, it was pretty fucked. And then like the pollen in the area and the altitude is really high. So there's one day I was going to do some PT and I just collapsed. Like I was just, I just messaged my client. I was like, can't make it, sorry. Like can't, <laughs> can't breathe. Yeah. And next thing I know, like I was just woke up in hospital and um, they had a helicopter me because we're in a small country town and like they said that I wasn't going to make it. And apparently it took 18 hours to get me back into like... 18 hours? Yeah. And I was, I was fucked. The only thing I could think of when I came back was that Mr. Chow line. It's like, but did you die? <laughs> <laughs> I was just spamming that. Like, so, I know it's a weird thing to, to ask, but did you experience anything inside those 18 hours? Like, what was it like? No, actually. I, so, maybe I didn't actually go, like, full-on brain dead. I don't know. I actually don't know the... the um, specifics all i know is that apparently on the helicopter they said that like you may not make it like wow yeah like he's he's he, apparently my spo2 was like way below 70 so i wasn't getting oxygen to my brain and uh yeah jesus so you wake up in hospital then what oh it was so I mean, just I woke up to like two nurses, a male and female, and the male nurse was just like grabbing my cock and just putting a catheter up it. Oh Jesus! I know. So that was like how I woke up. So oh, God. <laughs> I was just like I went from just lying in bed, and then all of a second, next thing I know is like I'm getting a catheter up the clock. Jesus Christ! So that was like how I woke up, and I was just like, Did it hurt? It must have hurt. It hurt. Yeah. Fuck. It did hurt. Not gonna lie, <laughs> I was surprised they got some like they managed to fit that thing in there. I was like, I was like, please no. <laughs> no, you do judo. <laughs> I thought you would have woken up and just threw her over the side of the bed. No, it was a melody, and I was just like, it was more so. I was like in shock. I was just confused. I was like, what is happening? Like, how did I just get teleported here? Like, mentally, it was literally just like imagine like right now, and next second you get teleported to just that. It was just strange. Like, I didn't think I was actually going, like, I didn't feel that. It's not like I couldn't breathe, breathe. It wasn't like an asthma attack. I just felt, like, really drowsy. Lay down for a bit, next second, hospital. So, yeah. And then a week after that, so ICU was probably terrible experience. Probably the worst experience of my entire life. And, um... So how long were you in hospital for? Like a solid week in a bit. Yeah, that one was just like, I couldn't walk. I was like struggling to walk to the bathroom, the shower. Like the most I could do, I was just in my bed just once in a while, just trying to do some like isometric holds, like glute, mm -hmm. <laughs> just stuff like that. I was just struggling like, and then a week after that, got out and got hit by the floods. Yeah. So. When you get out of hospital, did you ever tell the landlord, Oi, you're fucking trying to kill me? Oh, she, she, she ran away to Gold Coast. Really? Yeah. Fuck, so the police, did the police know about the situation? Or? To be honest, I have no clue what it comes like to, like, these things. We were going to tear up the carpet anyway and try I, to fix things. 
But um, yeah, like it was pretty messed. Um, and then you returned to the house and you got hit by the floods. Yeah, like the floods were, it was, it was crazy because we were getting like lightning like all around and I think the day that it happened we had a blood moon and solar flares mm -hmm. it was just the, t the weather was just acting out weird and when we had the flood it was just it was just chaotic it was on like a Sunday night or Saturday night and it was just like the record floods for more than a hundred years and like we were sprinting around and like trying to get people out of the houses you know some guy he built his retaining wall like a few feet higher than the record flood and you know we're just trying to <laughs> yelling at him and he's in his car like, refusing to leave and like his whole house is just underwater so can you imagine just like your life's work just like you're looking at just underwater like you built you did like the right things and that's it it's like gone so it kind of like made me such a there's nothing you can do, you can really say it could ever justify such a cause you know, people, when people have these sort of situations like floods and they'll say things, I don't know, they look to religious reasons that say, oh, God works in mysterious ways or, no, but the, or, you know, it's just the way things are, but nobody, nobody wishes for such a thing, you know, and nobody, and it's not fair for anyone, really. Yeah. And then I guess life's not fair, but it's like, It's hard to justify, really, such a horrible thing. Yeah, that's I'm kind of like lost of words around it because people will say things like, "Oh, you know, God wrecks your plans because he knows your plans are gonna wreck you." And I'm like, "Oh, you know, it's the force of nature. It's about how you respond to everything." But I'm just like, "There's not really." In winter, well, yes, but in times like this, no one asks for such a thing, and no one really deserves such a thing. No, and especially. Right. And so you, you had the floods. Then what happened and all that? Damn. So had the floods, um, volunteering, doing cleanup work mm -hmm. in the community. And that was, it is wonderful to see that you know, during times of like war and chaos, you know, that's the community really does band together. Mm -hmm. That's one of the good things that come out of it. But as you were saying right before, I mean, um, one of the, these memes that just helped me get through the whole thing <laughs> was literally, you watch The Office? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and just this meme of like Dwight like talking to Ryan, like, Ryan, not everything in life is a lesson. Like sometimes you just fail and that's it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much. There was nothing to really learn from this experience besides that sometimes in life, life will just kick you for no fucking reason. Yeah. So I was like, because I was like scratching my head. I'm like, where, like, what, why, like, and then I was just blaming myself. I was like, this surely happened. I even blamed myself for the floods at one point. I was just like, this is God's way of just like getting back at me with something I did. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that that's just me being stupid. Mm -hmm. I can't blame myself for natural disaster. No, no, of course not. So, did you, I know you moved, when you moved over there, was there anything that you lost? Did you like, how did you pick up after the floods? I mean, did you lose most, most of your stuff? <laughs> Um, Clearly you didn't lose that jacket because that was the same jacket I saw you in last time. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're pretty lucky because the house we're on was in the main street. But um, it was mostly the people that were around, like, in the house because they lost, like, everything. So, like, and 
and when we're doing the volunteering work, like a lot of the smaller country towns, it's amazing how much the news doesn't show. Mm. Like they'll show like a few things you hear on the radio or flooding and stuff, but what actually happens is like pretty feral. Like there's like tons of dead livestock and yeah, like people's lives just completely uprooted. Like it's it's actually like I'm surprised the news doesn't really get much, you know, doesn't give much attention to these kind of stories because they're actually, yeah, they're like, I remember coming out when the rain was going on and like, something out of a movie, man, like the 23 ton track that just got, just floated away like nothing. Like shipping containers as well, you know, those really big ones, just like boats on like, they just get picked up and just, they're off, destroy like the bridges around like the, the town and stuff, it was, it was, it was pretty, like, it was just carnage. So what did you do after that? Did you end up living in your car? No, I had a seizure. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, I remember I was, you told me about that. Yeah. What, so, explain to them, explain to the audience what happened with that. Well, like, we are running around the whole night and my body was still wrecked from my ICU. So, I was just walking after everything was done and I just fell backwards and just slammed my head against the concrete. Jesus, did and you have a concussion? I don't think so. Okay. They Then they called an ambulance because apparently it sounded like a bowling ball hit the concrete. And like, I was like bleeding at the mouth a bit, but when I went in the ICU, I was hell bent on not going back. ICU was, I, like, I don't ever want to go to ICU again. Did you feel like it just, like it was, I know it's a weird thing to say, but did you feel like, what did you think, what did you find worse? Did you feel like it was because of how physically wrecked you were or did you feel like you were just so mentally wrecked inside the ICU? To be honest, I, I, was, I woke up and I just didn't even know what happened. Mm. Didn't have a bruise, didn't have anything, like um, there was no like lumps. And when they tested me in the hospital again, I was like hell bent on not going. So I even did a one legged squat just to basically say, I'm fine, like just let me go. Yeah. Yeah, and the nurses were like, why are you in here? Like, do you have a headache? And I was like, yes. Because I, <laughs> I was just like, there's no way in hell that I'm going back in. Yeah, so that was that. And then after that, I went into Orange, which is like another town. And I um, was living out of a tent. And uh, just I bought a bike, cycled around and just... Um, yeah, went to office work, spent our resume, and just tried to find any work. Did you? Yeah, I was working as a, so I got a job as a cleaner. Mm -hmm. So shout out to the Great Western Hotel. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a, it's 107 years old. Nice. Yeah, so when we first started out, like all the fridges were so moldy and everything. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> so the first few days I was just scrubbing mold out of fridges and cleaning up and, um, I mean, it was it's hard work, but honest work. Um, yeah, and they let me stay in a room there as well, which is great. But I was just a bit paranoid about the mold because of the previous experience. So, yeah, I just kept really busy with cleaning. And I have no experience cleaning before, so, like, I could barely keep my room tidy. And so going from that to <laughs> keeping a whole hotel tidy is a was a challenge, but 
I got but I got good at it, like making beds and whatnot. It was good experience. Wow. And then after that, I hope it's not crossing boundaries, but you told me a situation that you had when you got drugged or something. Was it? Oh yeah. Yeah. That that story blew my mind, so if, if that's okay, would you mind just sharing a little bit about that? Yeah. This is all adding to it. So just let him, for the people that are listening, he experienced all this rapidly one after the other. There was no short, there was like a short, tiny break in between each. But for most people, like, even if they got, they lose their house and flood, fuck the think life's over. Or, you know, they go in the ICU once, you know, they're mentally wrecked forever afterwards. Or the fact that you went back in and out of hospital. And this is all like really inspiring stuff. And I'll explain why I mean so much later on but if you can please tell the story of what happened with the whole drugging oh, okay so the drugging thing i was doing some ndis work with um just like with uh, like autistic kids and so i'll bring some of the kids to the gym like these are younger gentlemen and um i would also just go to the gym by myself just have fun um because i miss rebel a lot because everyone's like rowdy there <laughs> uh and yeah, there was this other, there was this guy, and he was um he was cracked out. He was just he was just crazy. And then one day he just offers me, he's like, "Man, you got to try this homebrew coffee that I got." And so I just go and um, I wasn't really thinking like I just thought, okay maybe it is a good, just a good cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And I drink his coffee and like next thing I know like I'm just out of it. I don't know what the fuck was in there, but. Um, yeah, I was like stumbling around the streets and people were just like, this like, you, this guy's not okay. And I was just like, I'm fine. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> but apparently I looked so out of it. They actually had to call the ambulance. Again. And was it the same ambulance? No, this, this, this is the first time. <laughs> this was the first time. But it was actually the same ambulance as it was. Oh, no. A few, like, I think when they picked me up for the seizure, it was the same ambulance. And they were like, it's a completely different guy. <laughs> and I was like, thank God. I was like, oh. But um, yeah, the, um, that experience was pretty messed. I ended up joining that same gym. I ended up working like right next to that gym. I called the ambulance as well, which is pretty funny. Um, yeah, I was just like, hope they don't recognize me. But um. What was it laced with, what he gave you? Fuck, I think... <laughs> just hard drugs, I think. Really? Yeah. Did did he... Did you know him personally? Or no. This did, was, was he just like a really strange dude that just hung around the gym and then one day just offered you this? Uh, to be honest, I think that my head was preoccupied with um, solving the problem of love at that time. So I was just hanging out with this dude. And he was just um, talking about how the government and drones and stuff like that. Like, he was saying that, like, flies are like drones. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> All right. And then, yeah, and then I drank some of his coffee and then died. Yeah. Did you, what did you experience? Like, what was it? I just, I just felt really out of it. I didn't even feel that out of it. I, like, I didn't know that the coffee was laced. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, I should have been, like, yeah, I'm not drinking your coffee, weird man. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. But um, unfortunately, I did drink it. And yeah, the lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Don't drink stuff from strangers. 
Yeah. And then you wake up in hospital again. And then I messaged you and I was like, fucking hell, man, are you alright? What's going on? And, oh. and you were like, dude, I just got, someone tried to drug me, this and that. Yeah. Dude, you just fucking moved over east and all that, and now all this stuff has happened. Oh, like, man. I, what, I mean, when you were in hospital after being drugged, like, what happened then? What was the recovery process? Did you have to, like, did they try and pump your stomach? Oh, no, no. They, they just, like, left me for a bit, and then I got out. Really? Yeah, and they just let you go? Yeah, because it was just gone by then. Oh, man. Yeah. It was just embarrassing, to be honest. Like, I've... I'm pretty sure I harassed every single nurse. Really? Yeah. Like, I was just completely out of it. Oh, they put me in a diaper and everything. <laughs> and I was just like, I thought it was the funniest thing. I was just really out of it. Like, just, yeah, I apologize to any of the nurses I may have harassed. How, how long did it take for you to fully recover from that? Oh, a day or two. A day or two? Oh, yeah. But it was just embarrassing. It was just, it was just one of those things which you don't really, like, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> as you notice um, but it was something which yeah like when you go to a new place you don't want that to be your reputation it's like mm. yeah because when all I had was just this guy drugged me but you know how much like what was it in terms of a bottle like was it like that cocaine in terms no, of quantity or nah, was it, it was just like a, oh, it was a tiny quantity it was just like a, a cup oh okay yeah. because I think that dude was probably like sipping on that shit every day and all that yeah. Did you ever see him again after that? No, but he would message. Oh God. <laughs> I'm gonna try to find the 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 video, but he just he he sent me this like video just a what like a few months ago, just like he was just completely out of it. <laughs> like, uh, what was the video of? He was just screaming. He's like, just do whatever you want to do, man. You got this. <laughs> like, like, and I was just like. And he was obviously just off his head. Oh. Yeah. And so you didn't even go to the police or anything like that? Like, yo, I was drugged, this dude's going around drugging people? Or... Nah, I just live and let be. Fuck, man. It's crazy. From being drugged, to mold poisoning, to floods, to being back in the ICU after falling back and hitting your head. Just... That's the kind of shit that usually breaks people, man. Just some people just don't even go for that stuff in a lifetime. I mean, everybody experiences trauma to some degree. Everyone experiences hardship to some degree, and people are truly victimized in horrible ways. But that kind of stuff just—I know it's kind of—I know it's a really weird thing to say. This is—I'm not trying to get all like spiritual and all that, but the fact that you're able to go through all that. And then later on down the line, come back on here and talk about it. And the way you talk about it as well is extremely, um, it's extremely stoic, you know? Cheers. I think that's, I, I know it's a really weird thing, but if anything like that was supposed to happen to someone, I'm not saying it's supposed to happen, but if it could happen to someone who was, you know, was capable of it, it would be someone such as yourself. Because, I mean, it's, it's what it's obviously one thing to go through it, but the way you've responded to this, it's almost like something like it's like something you read out of the fucking Bible or something like that, or one of those like fantasy stories or one yeah. of those thriller TV shows. Like do you feel like this has changed you in any way? Or do um, you feel anything different? Uh, obviously you look very different from the last time we spoke. Really? Oh that. 
Um, not gonna lie, I feel less pain. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in a physical sense, but definitely has changed me in many aspects, I feel. Um, hmm. It's stoicism, yeah. I mean, reading the Daily Stoic was one thing that really helped me pull through. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, during that time period as well, I split with my girlfriend. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that was why I was there, to kind of repair that. And, look, I, I still sort of take the blame for that because, and that's what hurts the most, but at the same time, it is what it is. And, you know, some things is. If you don't mind me asking, man, how long were you guys together for? Four years. Four years. Yeah. Wow. And as the way it ended was just messy. Like, it's, it was it's def- was definitely not ideal how things ended, but, you know, it's, what's done is done. Um, and, yeah, just looking, I mean, just got to keep your eyes moving forward. And that's all you can really do. But, I mean, still, yeah, got to each chapter when it closes you know it's still kind of still part of the book and still you know I guess has a lot of depth to it but moving forward from the previous chapters is kind of hard you don't want to dwell like too much in it yeah so breakup getting drugged uh ICU floods falling over (laughs) like then what happened man Oh, so I was working in a hotel, which is, I just, I literally just tried to keep as busy as I could. Okay. I don't know why, but my mind was just like, it, going home wasn't even on my mind. It was just... Wow, even after all that? Yeah. You just like, what What made you want to stay? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that it was just more so a, um, a challenge to myself, like, hey, like, how much can I just put up with? And just actually just like, if I can't just be dropped here and make something out of my life, like, then there's something wrong with me. So, I decided to just try my best to make it. Like, even though lots of shit happened. Yeah, like, just do my best to... And how did you make it back? Like, oh, Yeah, and then I got another seizure when my parents like, kidnapped me from Wollongong. Wait, what? Really? Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I broke my tooth and I also got a little cauliflower ear. Really? Yeah. How, how did you do that? Like, Oh, my parents just came out of nowhere in Wollongong. I was staying with some friends. Did they know that you were there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did staying... they know about everything that you were going through? Somewhat, yeah. Okay. I didn't tell them when I was in ICU. Wow. Yeah. But did they know? Yeah, they know now. Fuck. Yeah. And how did they respond to that? By literally, <laughs> like, surprising me and just be like, you're coming home, like, and I was like, fuck, I've been caught. And, um, because I was waiting for Volkanovsky to finish his fight with Makachev, mm-hmm. so I was hoping I had to catch him in Wollongong to do some, like, wrestling and stuff, so I was quite disappointed I couldn't do that, but I guess I'm back. Mm-hmm. Have you been back for four months? Yep. Yeah. And now, what does it feel like now being back in Perth after going through all that? Um, to be honest, weird. Like, um, 
like like Revo, like the gym, like the community there is not really there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Which one though? Canningville. Canningville, yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was really fun. Is your boy Tom still training there? Yeah. Um. No, he, he. I think he's done in Bombay now. Really? Yeah. So a lot, a lot of things have changed as usual. Um. Yeah, times have flown. And um, you know, new chapters, new opportunities arising. I think that there's. When I came back, I started a fight club, which is pretty fun. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Okay, tell me the story behind that. Oh, I just, like, because I got mats and stuff, and I was just, I was just kind of upset I got dragged back, so I, I don't know why I just started you, the You were upset club. you came home? Yeah. Wow. I just, I just don't like to do anything which is, like, forced on me, I guess. Like, and, um, yeah, I'll, like, my parents wouldn't let me drive because of the second seizure. Um, that was just stress-related, like, and just fatigue. Have you ever experienced any seizures since then? No. So it just made no sense to me. I was like, well, you're going to let me fight random people in like the garage, but can't like I can't drive the car, which is just dumb. But I did a lot of walking, a lot of cycling, though, which is good. But still, it was just tough. Um, yeah, what else? What's so uh, you came back now what are you doing for work and all that nothing at the moment nothing yeah i decided to take a step back i was meant to fight in the samba kazakhstan okay what <laughs> yeah um that's new <laughs> yeah um they just reached out to me and i was meant to fight in that and i had some health issues um and basically the hospital basically said because I also haven't been able to get a neurologist clearance. Okay. So basically, I can't get travel insurance to fight. Why? What's why? Why wouldn't they clear you? I haven't got doctor's clearance. Like basically, they've said that I'm not fit to fight. Really? Yeah. Did how did they come to that conclusion? Did they have to test you or anything like that? Or I've had like four or five CT scans, and wow. they were all like fine. Okay. But I haven't got a neurologist clearance. And how does a neurologist clear you though and test you? I have no clue. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it kind of sucks because it's a fully paid trip to Kazakhstan and just all I got to do. You, is you were going to go to Kazakhstan, so you already paid for it? No, no, no. The, oh, okay. the Federation paid. Like, really? Yeah, so hopefully I didn't step on any toes. So, what made you want to make the transition then from judo to sambo? Um, they just messaged me one day and said, like, hey, do you want to fight? Really? Yeah, and I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very similar, so I was like, why not? Is that still the goal right now, to get there? To get what? To get to Kazakhstan and... I can't. Yeah. Like, my parents have, like... I can't, if I can't get travel insurance, and the last time, you know, when you travel, if there's any injuries, why not, you're pretty much screwed. Okay. Like the insurance will cover anything, like many bank and stuff. And if you if you go to a surgery, you got to pay it out of your own pocket, and the chance of that is pretty high. So, I yeah. But there's always other opportunities. So, give me some time to get ready and um, see how things go. Do you ever think about getting into MMA? <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something on the cards still? 
I'm not sure actually. Because I've seen those reels, I've seen those videos of you fighting with other athletes and all that, and with other MMA fighters. Mm. Um, you have an incredible background in judo, you know. So and now sambo. I mean, what's but what's what's your striking background, bro? Do you have much experience? Yeah, I do. Look, I did a lot of Muay Thai. Mm -hmm. Um. I just enjoy striking, you know, I probably enjoy getting hit in the head too much. Mm -hmm. um, but first things first, I, need, I probably need to get surgery on my left patella. Oh, is that still giving you issues? Yeah, worse. After this, I think when I fell down the second seizure, I busted it even more. So now it's actually giving me like, it's giving me quite a bit of grief when I like jog. So, really? Yeah, that's not, a, it's no good. Did, it, did you get a scan of it? Not yet. Okay. I need to get it done and figure out what I can do about it. Um, yeah, but once that's settled, I can look forward. But at the same time, like there's not a lot of money in MMA. <laughs> you're like yeah, but you're one of those people that I know that don't really you don't look like the type of person who fights in it for money. That is true, but at the same time, I think my parents would disown me. Really. Yeah, I, it wasn't, it's not a new, like, thought. I wanted to transition years ago. Wow, okay. And they just basically said that if you do that, you're going to be disowned. So, oh, what's, if you don't mind me asking, what's your relationship with, like, with your family? No, it's pretty good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's good enough for me to be like, okay, fine. Yeah. Because are you, you living with the family right now or are you living on your own? No, living with family. Okay. I think that, yeah. yeah, Asians tend to, you know, stay. Like, um... Yeah, I don't see a good reason why. Well, I mean, it's kind of nice to have your own freedom, but at the same time, like they say, you kind of have to, like, they say they're taking care of you, but you're also sort of taking care of them in some aspects, and it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's a complex dynamic, I guess. Nice, wow. So, now, before we started the podcast as well, you were telling me you were getting into acting. Yeah. What made you want to do this transition? This is very different, you know. Oh, um. So By the way, if they ever do a remake of Fight Club, I reckon you could be a good Tyler Durden. <laughs> yeah, that would be sick. Yeah. I, I would really enjoy that. So, and when I was over East, turns out like getting jobs for acting over East is a lot easier. And um, so I signed up with, I there was an advert for acting roles, and I didn't really know like the thing. I just applied. And they, they needed me to do like a short video interview, etc. And I, next thing I know, like, yeah, turns out there was an SPS feature. Initially, I thought it would maybe just one of those, like, I was like, am I, it's like, I asked the, the, my agents, like, is this, is this some sort of gay porn? Like, <laughs> is it? What, what did they want you to do? Oh, nothing. It was, oh. Like, it was nothing like that. It was just like, a, I just had to play like a, like an Asian dude who hasn't come out the closet yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So it's just like a day's worth, but it's like $5,000. Five thousand. I know. And I was like, this is just unbelievable. You tell me I don't have to do that much. I didn't have to say too much, and it's $5,000. Yeah. So they booked me into like five-star hotels. So I went from being like homeless to spending, you know, two days in a five-star hotel, getting my hair cut and stuff, and then like waiting for like the results and then I got paid like a hundred dollars for the haircut wow. and I was like this is actually a sick gig like <laughs> getting paid a hundred dollars for a haircut 
And I came back here, and they asked me to, to I got shortlisted for, to do an ad. So they were going to fly me to Melbourne to do an advert for some, I don't know, I just had to pretend I could play baseball. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah, so I look at the jobs that were, like, available and, like, like, and they actually shortlisted me for, and it's like, if I was living in Melbourne and Sydney, like, it would be so easy, well, uh, not easy, but I could probably get a few of these jobs pretty soon, which is one thing that I'm sort of thinking of, but I know, but Perth is home, so I may actually do some acting classes and see how I go. Yeah, and, um, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything currently right now that you're working on that you can share with us? Or do you have any projects that you're working on? Or um, There are a lot of projects on like social media, The Right Fit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I really, I'm getting a new camera. My other camera was just really hard to work with. Um, but the influencer stuff is kind of like, I don't really enjoy it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I really don't enjoy it. Like, Thank you. Do, do you feel like it feels fake? It's just gross. It I, is. I, I, feel, I feel just like really gross doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I just have a shower. <laughs> like it's um, ugh. like you pretty much just it goes against like what your like it goes against like a lot of my values and it was just like ugh. I guess it's practice. But then in the end, it was just like some of the stuff was good though. Some of the stuff like the, like bay, the bay yoga and nootropic stuff. Definitely recommend that. The the few products which were like, like, this is actually worthwhile getting. And then there's some which were just like, like, <sighs> what the hell is this? There, there was one. Um, gym that wanted to pay like $550 just to get people in the gym and filming. Really? Yeah, it was, a, it was an easy 550 but just having my name attached to that and being like, yes. Okay. That felt like really... So I basically just cancelled it. I was like, it's not worth like 550 Wow. I don't think it's worth any amount of money. <laughs> like, if you don't believe in something, it's a bit... It's very noble of you. Well, I just, I just couldn't physically... <laughs> my, like, I couldn't physically do it. Um, I mean, then again, there's acting and then there's just, I don't know. I guess you could say it's acting to believe that you could act like you like this product and sell it. But at the same time, it's just, yeah, feels icky. I've always had a wall with influencers. I don't know what it is. Um, it's actually one of the things that's led me to get off social media. So these last, ever since January 20-something, I've been completely off social media. Oh, wow. Yeah, almost. The only time, only social media I'm having access to is my, um, the last set podcast Instagram. That's it. And there was an, there was a fit, there was a something, up, there was a little spirit, there was a, something I had someone put on it where only I could access messages. So when I go on the actual app itself on Instagram on my computer, I don't see feed. Oh. I've not checked anyone's feed. I've not seen anyone's feed in what we in May four months now. Oh, awesome! And I aim to stay off it until July. Yeah. Um, because then that will be a complete six months. And if anyone's listening right now, I think getting off social media is probably one of the best things you can do for your mental health. 
think it's one of the best things you can do as well if you want to get shit done. And it's also one of the best things you can do right now if you want to have a lot more pride. Um, the reason why is because the problem with our generation is we are so obsessed with looking like we, we are successful. I've met so many fucking people in this life. Well, not so many, but I've met a few people in this life where they think they're this absolute big shot on social media because they have a following or they got the blue check. But you meet them in real life, they're just as they got the personality of a doorknob. Or in reality, they've got someone behind them pulling all the strings and all that. And the last thing I wanted to do was appear fake, appear like I'm some big shot because, you know, I run a podcast or because I've got a PT or because I fucking did stripping for four years. No, no, no. When people see me, what you see is 100% what you get. And I feel like people have this social media personality and then their real life personality and their social media policy personality is giving them all these crazy expectations and they have to be absolute bowlers, you know, they have to make more money, drive a nicer car, get a pretty girl. It's just, it's all bullshit in my eyes. It really is. And I think it's also one of the best ways to truly respect your actions. It's like this podcast, for example. Um, I do this podcast now solely because I just want to. That's it. And that's beautiful because I was doing you know, like an episode a week, but I felt like, fuck, I've got to do an episode a week. I've got to find the next person. No, it's just like, even if the episode was come on, the guest was great, I felt like it was more forced. But now every time I do an episode, it's just like, fucking, I want to do an episode with this person. I want to fucking speak to this person. I don't care if they've come on like three times or four times before. I just want to do an episode with them because, you know, I enjoy it. Yeah. And then everything started making more sense work started making more sense because it was more pure it was more intentional and i was giving it more attention podcast was getting so much better because you know people could tell that that was actually more engaged it felt more like a conversation less like an interview so yeah man and i'm staying off it till july because um the other thing that's also happened is i got my blue belt oh nice in jiu-jitsu thank you congrats yeah, thank you um i got it in february and July is going to be my first competition as a blue belt. Oh, wicked. Which one? Uh, SGT. Submission Cup in Tournament. Oh, nice. Yeah, so... Um, and I've tra- I've done more jiu-jitsu in my life now than I've ever done. And then... You know this because you've done judo for more than 10, ten, more than 10 years? About 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. You, you went through this period yourself where it was the thing that consumed your life. Yeah. And nothing else felt like it mattered much. Yeah. You know I mean, I feel like I'm slowly evolving into this phase where I do not care about the way I look or <laughs> I just care about doing the thing that makes me fucking happy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes gives my life purpose. It's good know? that you're getting into that when you're a blue belt because that means that purple isn't far off. And also, blue belt level is competitive. It is, it is. And there's so many competitions. So you should definitely check out all the open mats. Yeah, I do, yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. you been to Guardians and stuff? Like I actually have. So funny story. I went um when I was in January, um, shout out to George by the way, fucking battleground um trials. I went there for battleground trials. Oh yeah. Fun and I rocked up and I was the only white belt there. <laughs> I thought I was fighting other white belts and I just signed up to it because fuck yeah, I love to compete. And then, when, just before I was about to step on the mat, I was up against another blue belt. And then, 
um, he was like, and then Nick commentators behind me, oh, we have a, the only white belt here today, Joe Turner from UFC. I was like, what? what? <laughs> I actually stopped him mid, and he's like, am I the only one? And he goes, yeah. And then I got on the mats, and then I went up against a guy, and he caught me in an armbar in that last 30 seconds, and just walked away from that. I knew that I lost. But I was so comfortable with the fact that I was able to hold on for that long and even turned up to something when very few people were there. And if anyone is uh, following Battleground Trials or in the Jiu-Jitsu world, I highly recommend you do because George is doing something really awesome in Perth. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. I feel that like if anyone is listening and they don't do some form of Jiu-Jitsu or like, if you want to jump into like an anime pretty fast you just do jiu-jitsu throw yourself in it compete and your life pretty much becomes like an anime <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it's just so it's not it's so tough it's just so demanding on everything in your body like you really find out who you are because like it's it's scary mm. it's 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 terrifying to go to just hey i'm gonna just gonna like wrestle these strangers right now like i mean for me it's it's I guess it's my life, but then when I spend some time to reflect on it, I realize that, hey, like, for the regular individual, this is mortifying. Mm-hmm. Like, just to be put, like, be put in weird situations with a complete stranger, and they're trying to, like, take your head off. The the most common comment I get is, and I can experience myself, is you feel like you're drowning. Yeah. And no matter how much you kick and flail, you know, gonna make it you know up to the top and then you make it to the end of the session that someone said to me white belt it's all about surviving Mm. and then you build your defense and then the best defense the best offense is a good someone said i think i don't know what it is best offense is a great defense or something like that you have to build your defense first and your offense and then finally you piece everything together and that's how you get your black belt but that's why so many people drop out i feel i would say white belt to blue belt is the hardest because it's probably the first time for a lot of these people that truly learn what it's like to suffer to have their ego broken and then when they finally get it they realize fuck i've got to start start all over again i think the dropout rate of white to blue is high but then once you get the blue the dropout rate's even higher yeah so many people stop once they get their blue belt and all that, you know. It's kind of like it's you've climbed the mountain and then you realise, holy shit, like they're just I have to get down from this mountain and climb an even bigger mountain. Yeah. And it's only when you're a blue belt you see the peaks. You see the peaks of like purple belt, brown belt, mm-hmm. and then like black belt. And the the peak for that is is quite monumental. And then when you realise how far there is to go, most people just say, Fuck this. Yeah. I'm out. But then again, it's, it's about the people who actually love just the process of walking. So most people, like, for me, when I was doing judo, I was just, I would look at the things like, fuck, I don't care how long it takes, I'm just walking. <laughs> just going to, like, plod along and just eventually get there. And, um, but many people just look at that. It's very daunting and they're just like, no, nah, fuck this, I'm out. Like, it, it's too far. Some of them, they try, and th- what they don't realize is that it's very much like a, it's sort of like a paper thing. You have to kind of push just hard enough to break through. Because even if you just, you need to actually give, to break the initial inertia, 
of like reaching the next level, it is very much so like a breakthrough point, mm. which comes from, you know, like really, really shitty performances. You know, you're crying, you mess up, you perhaps like break an arm and you have to come back from that, mm. you know, stuff like that. You know, this is what most people after a big major injury, they'll quit. Yeah. And I, uh, I had a moment where I felt not at a down point, but honestly, I felt like a massive failure. Um, so I had a bit of an ego driven when I was a little bit of a white belt because I had a period, I had not last year, but the year before, I won a tournament, I won my first tournament. And when you win, it feels fucking amazing. Oh, you feel yeah. like you're hot shit. And then I felt like I was, I wasn't good, but I was okay, but it was enough to really want me to keep going. And then what happened was, I made it into the new year and then thing I started to really get frustrated that oh I thought I was good at this and then you go for that period where your ego is broken down, you get a little bit of hope and then you just get broken down even further. And then I had a competition when I I rocked up and I just got absolutely obliterated um, for two matches and then I won silver and I was so angry that I won silver because I thought oh fuck I thought it was gold medal in my division. And then I went to a tournament three or two weeks later. I was only up against one guy and he beat me. And I found out he'd only been training for three months. Ooh. And then compared to my almost two years at the time as a white belt. Yeah. And then I made it to a point where I had another competition two weeks later, lost to a guy who I'd beaten before on a sub. And then, Ooh. yeah, and then he beat, so he beat me that time on points. And then I had him in the exact same sub I get usually everybody in, but him, he just held on a little bit longer. So he managed to do that. And then I watched him almost completely sacrifice his arm. <laughs> just so he couldn't, just so he could say that he beat me. And then he loses and gets absolutely obliterated in the next, for his next round. And then I remember leaving that competition, feeling like, fuck, I haven't won in ages, like a complete and total failure. And I was like, fuck, I'm spending so much money in these competitions. You know, I'm trying so hard to get better. And then I just realized, you know, that was life. And then it was that exact same fucking moment when I was upset my car, pull up the Instagram, you're in the hospital. Oh, shit. Yeah. And it was yeah. in that moment, that's when I reached out, like, fuck, man, what happened to you? And then you just told me all that. And then I was in my car. I remember I wasn't I was on the verge of tears because I felt like a complete loser. But I'm like, this guy's going through fucking almost dying. <laughs> yeah. And here I am just upset because I lost to some guy who I'd beat before. And it completely changed my perspective. And then I was like, okay, all right. So, and you know, we kept talking a little bit then. And then I think it was one month later, I had one more competition to close out the year. I think it was around November-ish. And I did, I said to myself, I'm going to, I don't care if I win, if I lose, I'm going to do all three divisions. I'm going to do no gi, gi, and open weight. And then I came second in the in no gi, came second in the gi, came first in the open. And it was like one of the best days I've ever had in my life. And then it was all because in some aspect of that failure, but also the fact that you were able to go through that, it gave me a little bit of hope mm. um, that, you know, fucking, you know, you can keep doing it. I mean, if, on that on my scale, my failures, 
if I'm saying fail, if I'm scale of my trials, it was nothing compared to what you had gone through. And I had that idea, okay, look, if Kai can do this and he can come back from this, I can overcome this little tiny obstacle. So Yeah, but um as you said before, like that's his life and it's true. That is I guess the best thing about life is that I guess it's not about being fearless. Yeah. Like I mean when I die I, I pretty much just like I find it kind of funny. I found it kind of funny because we're always told not to compare our successes to other people. It's a negative thing. But for some reason, I always found comparing my failures, not fa- I don't want to say failures, but comparing my trials to trials of what other people have been through, very motivating. Mm, that's very true. I don't know why that is, but that's... You know, and that's what I kind of experience. Like, if I go through little things in life, you know, your car breaks down, or do this, or, you know, you get hit, or you have a shit day in the gym, and you, I don't know, get your shit twisted, or, you know, but it's nothing compared to some of the truly horrible and heartbreaking shit people go through on a daily basis elsewhere around this world. Yeah, it's like, we're very lucky in Australia. Like, things that happen around the world is, like, extremely messy. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's one thing that like I don't like about influencer culture and like the thank you and that's yeah that's what we're heading to this yeah it's just like some of these people have no clue what how dark it gets yeah when people understand how dark the world is it's almost like little shit doesn't matter anymore you know <laughs> yeah like um in Russia they have some of the, like the performance centers and it's called like you know like um something along the lines of where like 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 a pit of fallen angels, you know, fallen stars. Because there's so many of them that could have been, like, Olympic champions. Really? Yeah. That just, you know, just get channeled out by the system, just broken, etc. This is a meat grinder, and then only they just choose that they want to come to the top. But it's, like, the same in Japan. you got, like, a 100 people who are, like, at that level. And it's just, it's just a meat grinder. Like, some of these guys, you can just, like, you're just amazed that they're not like on the international stage mm-hmm. and yeah it's 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 just so weird to have like you know some unknown just smash like <laughs> like like maybe you would want a top 10 seeds in the world just at a training camp mm-hmm. yeah but um along the lines of what you've been through i reckon that's actually like when I was like on my deathbed, like it was like moments like that, where you can be really proud of yourself. Yeah. Like you can look back at your life, and one thing I noticed is that you know those old gentlemen, they spent one hundred and forty. Like one of them spent one hundred and forty thousand dollars, to, to make his bathroom something he could use. Mm-hmm. And, like I realized I was much more content. Like looking back at my life and just all like the trials and tribulations and coming out by the skin on my teeth, and all those times where I didn't feel brave but I pulled through, I felt like I could die at peace. Mm. Like I honestly felt that if I died right now, you know, this is like I've I've overcome enough. How old are you, Kai? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. So you're three years old. Oh, three years older than me. Yeah. To go out that young. I mean, would have been, I mean, I mean, you kind of feel like your life kind of really, I know it's a weird thing, but people tell me, like, they they will say stories about someone who died or, 
you know, so someone who nearly died or went through a near-death experience, and they say that was when their life really actually just begun. That's also true. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Yeah. Mm. I realise that, like, it takes a lot of courage to live even more. Because sometimes you're, like, you have to let go. You have to recreate your life, in a sense. Like, Because all, all I know is fighting. Mm -hmm. Like, all I know is judo. But then now I'm at the point where I have to be like, okay, I have to live a normal life mm -hmm. and see how I do with that. Can I put my pride and ego aside and just do something normal or I don't think guys like or someone says yourself could ever be normal yeah that's very true because what you go through what you've been through is not fucking normal yeah <laughs> you know that's the hardest bit to act acting normal with normal people is very difficult because it's like I just don't really quite relate and everyone's a bit too scared to kind of have fun which is one thing like I mean who who else as well like just starts a podcast up you know like well it's actually quite interesting because i've been doing this three years now and when i started it was started with my best mate um and he didn't want to keep doing it and that was his choice but he's since then he's fucking flown and then i and i and at the beginning i was like oh man he's leaving but then i understood why he did it and he um and he's still my best mate to this day and I'm so proud of him as well. But it kind of felt like now things are, the way the things that have gone is just, it, what's the best way? Things happen to you and you don't really fully understand them at the time. But when as time goes by, you look back and then you, you look at where you are, you understand why it happened that it happened. This is, and it's like this as well. Generally, when we're children as well, we get told things when we're children that we don't fully understand or we take for granted and then we become adults and then you realise what we were told mm. and then we experience it. So, it's a weird thing to say, but like, it, the experience itself is the greatest teacher rather than talking of, you know, yeah. being told it or telling people about it. You have to go through it and that's really the biggest the, the biggest teacher you're going to get. You can't really have like a um, an opinion... This could this this thing can get twisted, but you can't really have an opinion on something unless you've actually been through it yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, amen to that. Yeah, I definitely first-hand experience is something which I'm definitely ever since a kid. Like I I was a type of kid. I'm pretty sure most kids are like this. They had to touch the fire to realize why it was hot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So ever since I was a kid, it doesn't matter what anyone else said. I had to experience it myself to understand. If not, I just wouldn't understand. Like. I put a fork in an electrical socket. You did, you did that as a kid? Yeah, in high school. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, Fuck. That's like the kind of dumb I was. Like, they'll have the diagrams of this, and I'm like... Did you, get, you must have electrocuted yourself. Oh, I did. Like, my hand, like, flew backwards, like, hell hard. And, like, <laughs> I was, like, on the floor, and then the teacher was like, what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> and I was just like... How old were you? Year 10. Jesus Christ. What the hell is that? That's like... 14? 15? Yeah, about that, yeah. You were 15, you stuck a fucking... <laughs> I was that bored. Wow. Like, I was that bored, and I just, like... I was like, what would happen? Like, surely... I, don't, I, I wasn't even thinking, actually, not gonna lie. I just was like... And it just made this huge bang noise, and my arm just went <laughs> flying back. And I, I let go of the thing, thankfully. 
and the, the whole <laughs> fork was like the whole top was just red hot yeah wow. but that was probably one of the most jolting experiences of my entire life it just like i could feel like like i could feel it in my bones <laughs> wow. but yeah that's so yeah pretty much so probably don't do that <laughs> <laughs> for me mainly as a kid i used to just like stick toilet paper to the ceilings at school you know what i mean <laughs> you know that thing they wet toilet paper put their soap in it throw it up against the wall uh, can't say ever like a through um can't say ever putting forks in um can't say ever putting forks in electrical sockets but what, yeah. what 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 class was it though do you remember yeah it was a human biology class oh really yeah. well, fair enough I thought you were going to say art class or something no 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 <laughs> art class was actually kind of entertaining could uh. just actually like muck around with things so. Mm-hmm. damn so I know it's a bit of a weird thing a weird question to ask but like if you if you had to go back in time before you were about to fly over east and everything was about to happen what would you say to yourself you're a fucking idiot <laughs> i'll just go back in time and just be like wake the fuck up you fucking cunt <laughs> like you're about to lose something good just like wake the fuck up and like you got but at the same time i was yeah, I was very confused, and definitely not the person I am today. Mm-hmm. It, it was just stress. That's the thing. Stress is something which just can really make you blind. Stress is something that really can make you blind. Yeah, like you, you, you just become overwhelmed with sense, like sensation, rather than actually, you know, being stoic in that sense, mm-hmm. and. I guess, like, you know, like, it's harder to make the right decisions when there feels like there's so much on the line. It's like the thing where you're, like, walking across a tightrope and, like, your life depends on it, versus walking across, like, like, uh, you know, walking along, along, like, a little bridge or something when there's no real, you fall off, it's like, yeah, whatever. Versus the same thing, but, you know, in the sky. So, I won't... I'm, you can't you have to kind of blame yourself but at the same time you can't because it was just something that you learned and you know you can't go back in time anyway so but if i had if i could yeah i was like would you let yourself do it regardless or would you just do what like, would you like still let yourself go or shit <laughs> you know what probably probably not hey i think and I would like to see where that different timeline goes. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I didn't go, that timeline would have been interesting. Um, but I don't know. What was the biggest lesson you learned from that situation from Everest? I guess what love is. What is love? <laughs> uh, the, the biggest thing, <laughs> kind of like, it's not like ownership or whatnot, but. It's kind of like having a bird and you like, you know, you, you just got the bird trapped. You know, you're holding on because you don't want to let go. Mm. But love at the end of the day is being able to let go. Still love, even though you're, you're not actually with, like, you're not, like, the proximity's not there. You don't know what's happening, but you just love for the sake of loving. Mm. Like, it's easy to hate 
it's easy to point fingers and stuff like I mean I still it's not like how to say love everything well you still kind of do but at the same time it's just like it is what it is you know they're going and whatnot but you can't have ill feelings and you just got to kind of just be like okay cool that happened regardless of that you know the compassion is still there mm. i had someone who uh came on the podcast and they told me the first thing when it comes to relationships is and being with people and relationships and friendships is that you never really truly lose somebody mm. you just give them back yeah life gives you people you spend your time with them you have your fights you have your breakups you have your you know moments of high moments of down with them and then when your time is kind of up with them you give them back with life because you realize you're not the same person who you were when you met them yeah yeah that's uh that's a shame sometimes i feel that like things would have been better off with who i am now like if we'd start things later with like it would have succeeded but that's you know me just thinking out loud but it is true as is what like the way you put it you're just giving them back and also you just have to go your own way and you can't force you can't force relationships you can't force things no no they, they say it's like um if it's like a uh it's like going to the toilet if you have to force it, it's a shit. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think that's what they said. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. It's, um... Was it... I know it's a weird thing. When you went over it, when you were over it and going through everything, was there anything that you brought back with you? Like, to remember it, like a souvenir or a token or anything like that? I guess, um, a little cauliflower and some chip teeth. Yeah, can I see it? Which one is it? I, I, oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, so that's your front tooth as well. Yeah, I just learned the flat on my face. I'm just like a little collie. Oh, oh yeah, I see it. Wow. Does it hurt? No, nah, not now. Are you going to get it drained? No. Are you going to grow a Khabib beard? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I found that, like, ever since coming back, I've had to shave, like, I shaved yesterday. Yeah. You know, there's one thing that's really stuck with me now as well. You've been back. Um, do you remember when we had that last conversation? You talked about when you go through hard things you physically change as well yeah this is that's you're right you've just proved your point yeah you, you physically change as well after going through that hard stuff and all that you know the chip tube and the cauliflower yeah. and all that as well so, <laughs> true yeah because we had that conversation and just stuck with me because i mean i'm a big fan of joint peace and but mm. the, your facial features change to suit what you've been through and all that yeah i also realized that like i feel that my chin is a lot harder mm. my ability to take shots of the body and stuff is i like i don't know if it's a placebo or something but like i definitely feel a lot more battle like battle tested mm. like getting punched in the face now doesn't like phase me at all mm. uh, maybe i'm not getting punched in the face by anyone <laughs> like not with MMA gloves and stuff, but but even bare fist is like, it does split my lip from the inside, but not from the outside. It's it's strange, so, but maybe that's just me being cocky. We'll find out. <laughs> mm -hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
Does yeah. it give you? Do they give you any pain or anything like that to this day? Or no, no. Yeah. Yeah. So I've I, I don't take painkillers. So oh yeah. I when I found out that like paracetamol can make your connective tissue weak. Really? Yeah. When did you get that? Because when I was before my surgery on my elbow. Yeah. Yeah. So then I, that's why I decided not to take painkillers. Wow. It's um, just yeah. So apparently it's it's not very good. Oh. So I would take ibuprofen, if anything, but not paracetamol. Wow. What was the injury on your elbow again? I had like an elbow reconstruction. Oh, but when was that? 2019. 2019, yeah. Was that just from having it broken one too many times or? Yeah, like um, just overtrained with it. Yeah. And just like um, had to take out the bolts and stuff and just shattered it, tore some ligaments. So they had to reattach it and um yeah it's it's actually quite good now mm-hmm. better than after the first one the first one i couldn't do anything above my head oh. but now i can actually do like a lot of things so grateful that the second one done maybe you have to get the knee done <laughs> yeah you reckon you can get another bolt in there as well oh, you know. i don't know how long has that thing been giving you issues for 2017. wow fuck. yeah so that's six years yeah, that's the, one of the main. This is probably the main reason I didn't, I didn't go do a lot of MMA. Is because every time I check a kick, if they kick me in the patella, it would hurt like shit. Wow. So that was like one of the main deterrents. But yeah, maybe it's a good thing. So I don't do MMA. But we'll see. Do you ever still think about doing? Do you still ever practice judo? Ooh. Yeah, I practiced like yesterday. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So, what does it feel now coming back from over east and going back into judo? Does Same it feel like the training's different? Does it feel like the movements feel straight like different? Do, is anything any better since you come back? Yeah, my yeah. whole game has changed, wow, which is okay. weird. Um, yeah. I've been, I've kind of changed my, like, I've been focusing more on balance and SNC. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like, my judo still feels sharp, hasn't really gone backwards at all. If anything, I would say that's kind of gotten better. Besides, I probably just need to stretch a bit more. Um, but otherwise, yeah, like, it's like riding a bike. And coming back after a big long break, you kind of approach the thing with fresh eyes. Do you have any aspirations to take that any further? Like, is maybe going to a world championships or the Olympics still in the cards for you? I don't think so. Um, I don't really see a a future pursuing that because coming from WA, you have to pay flights over like over east, and there's a new national training center and stuff which you have to be involved in in Melbourne. Yeah, you have to be like living there, training there, and it doesn't really suit like where I want to be. So, at the moment, yeah, looking to do some acting classes, mm-hmm. you know, give that my all and see what happens. I mean, that would be pretty fucking awesome to see you in an action movie or watch <laughs> an anime. Yeah, well, whatever it is, you know, just I realize that life's really short, you know, love comes and goes. But, you know, the experiences we have, like, why not just fucking take a shot? Like, you know, if you're going to take a shot, really try to take a shot, maybe, you know, 
the universe is pretty fast to tell you whether or not you're on the right or wrong track and and of course I don't really believe, like I I feel I'm stupid enough to be quite relentless at it and see what happens um yeah what's the worst that can happen you die like, <laughs> you almost did yeah twice yeah, yeah and yeah. that's when I realized is that yeah. if that's the only thing that can really stop you yeah. fuck it yeah well that's a very very noble way to go um and just looking at your watch you do have to be out of here soon so I've got about three minutes man is there anything that's on your mind right now that you want to share to the audience who's probably going through a tough time right now tough times never last mm -hmm. tough people last um honestly have good social support networks around you make sure you listen to the right people in your life that's like wisdom just having discernment you know, there's a lot of people who tell you to do this, to do that, and they can come in the form of friends, family, but you have to kind of really have that like ear to what you really want to do, regardless of whether or not it's stupid or not. Like, you have to kind of do the things which you feel are right, and you know you can then that way you can only really blame yourself, and you know that's when you really understand that, and that's when you have no regrets because you chose what to do and you can't blame anyone else for your own decisions and yeah just sort of follow cliche follow your own gut follow your own heart and you know wherever it gets you just find a way to keep moving forward regardless mm -hmm. yeah. all right well thank you very much brother uh it's fucking great to have you back and yeah it was it was just good to finally um Finally, just catch up on the things you know, because I to put it this way: when you're off social media so much and you don't, and you the most of the people you talk to every day is like family and work. Moments like this mean so much more mm. because I know this is not something that I can get to experience every day. It's a very rare commodity. So, honestly, brother, thank you very much for your time. Um, if anyone wants to follow you on social media, funny how I actually just sit there <laughs> as well. How can they? If anyone wants to reach out, yeah. Um wherever just type in my name and if you actually just want to talk i'm pretty open i'm very open actually so like if you feel you struggle with something you know and you just feel that i'm someone that could understand what you're going through if you like really need a helping hand and can't find anywhere else you know you have people around you even i'm there you reach out you know i'm not going to share it or whatnot just someone with experience yeah, it's fulfilling, this, this kind of work, so, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to the last set podcast. Wish you all the best, and that's game. Wow. Cheers. Fuck. That was awesome.